Hi. Campbell, and I work for a small wine company. He's Luke Morris, and... He's always surprised how unenthused Campbell is at the start of the... Hi. 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 Hey. How's it going? Exciting. Woo. And we are Luke's Talk Wine, who talk all things wine and booze and sometimes popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, Campbell. What's been happening in... Um, I was going to... Uh, how, how's it going? What's happening? What's happening? What's, what's the plan? What have you got well, planned for me today? Go on. Well, I have got a plan, so let's lay it on you. Welcome, and welcome to the listening audience. Welcome to you, Luke Morris, and uh, Mum, and Shieldsy, and whoever else is joining us in this episode. We are locked and loaded for Season 3, Episode 14, and this week's topic is now is the time to buy champagne, and we'll explore that and the whys and the why nots uh, of buying champagne this week in the lead up to the silly season. And we've got a really interesting uh, listener question, actually, from Clint in Murrumbina, which is a suburb in the southeast of Melbourne. And Clint writes in, actually. So Clint's listening. He writes, I'm about to travel to Sicily and Sardinia. What do I drink? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the tip. It won't be sangria because that would be Spain, not Sicily or Sardinia. But we'll explore that uh, later on in the episode. And as always, every week we start the show with that very question, which you normally let the bag out of the cat earlier, Luke Morris, but I'm going to do it now. And that is Luke Morris. What's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? If you try and take a bag out of a cat, is that like a gastro, <laughs> like you're trying to take their stomach lining out of the, the throat or something? How did I know you would pick up on that? Of course, that, it's, of course it's cat out of the bag, listeners, but uh, Luke Morris, ever the... Um, hey, I, I, I saw some mud come out of a dog yesterday. So, you know, <laughs> things happen. Exactly. Um, what, uh, what What's happening? Oh, I got offered a job. Congratulations. It's always nice to be offered a job. Did yes, you want nice. the job? That is the question. Ah, it, it's, it's a weird job in, in terms of it's one of those jobs that I'm sort of it, like the, I've had this sort of offered to me before. It's like, oh, I'd love you to come work for me. I need these sorts of things fixed up. And I was like, well, how many hours is that? And it sounded very – so basically the guy needs uh, – it's in the wine trade, which is why it's relevant. It's um, uh, He needs a wine list written up for his restaurant. And he needs, I think, this is what he needs, and uh, a uh, a wine list done for his retail side of the business, and he'd he'd like to get some of his sales online, and uh, but that doesn't sound like a full time job, and he's just sort of like said, oh, I can I, I can I can always think up more work for you, which is, just sounds so dangerous, because. <laughs> Like, do not leave employment for someone who says they can think up work for you because then you just wind up, you know, mowing lawns. Like, it's, <laughs> I've been there, done that, literally. So um, I, 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 I had a question for you, Campbell. Yes. I may not have the answers, but I'm happy to listen. <laughs> no, no, I, I think you have an answer because – you have to you, you do this sort of thing for a living, and I'm just curious how much do you charge? 
like if if you know as this is you have to be open open book with what you sort of do and the guy wants me to i i just i said to him it doesn't sound like it's like enough hours for like a full-time job and it doesn't sound like I, I just want to know what the jobs that he wants done are and then i just want to complete them so i just want to charge him an hourly rate but i yeah. have no idea what to well i sort of have some guess guesstimations but i don't know what's normal what's standard what 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 in this profession do people get paid well, it's it's a great question, but you always you, you, you start you kind of reverse engineer it, Luke Morris, and you yeah. work on what your time is worth. So, and, and then you charge accordingly. So, you know, if you think if you're producing a show or uh, you're you're writing your your own material for your own show, and you think how much time is that worth? So, in my case, I actually love writing wine lists and designing wine walls and, and t- training staff and telling the wine stories. But it takes me away from what I do in finding the right wines for people's sellers and helping people on their wine journey in managing their sellers or coordinating um, uh, their their wine journeys. And so for me, it takes doing a restaurant wine list takes me away from my real job, actually. So that is, in fact, uh, very important. So I've got to weigh up the figure and that figure is, a, is an hourly figure and how much does it cost me to go away from a real job? And those costs are figurative and literal, and you have to kind of add those together. Yes, that's a very political answer there, Campbell. Uh, <laughs> so, but this, that was the thing that popped into my mind is that I'm on, a, I'm on a salary at the moment, so I could look at how much I'm paid per hour, but then I've got to add on top of that my own superannuation because I've realised... In in a in a previous job, I worked as a as a casual consultant, and found out that I was being completely ripped off because I wasn't being paid. I didn't know to pay myself any sick leave. I didn't know, know to pay myself any. Super. Um, so super, didn't pay myself any super, and didn't pay myself any overtime rates, or didn't pay myself any weekend Sunday penalty rates. Didn't pay myself any holiday day rates, and I didn't know this until I left the business and the accountant laughed at me how much that I got stuffed for. So I don't want to do that again. <laughs> so I'm going to try and w- walk into this with eyes wide open. And so those are all things that you got to factor in. And it just, it's mind, spot mind bending when you start doing it like that. Because you start realizing how much, you know. And I don't the other way, the other way, the other way is a great way to reverse engineer it. Is you think effectively if you're on staff with them in the restaurant, your yeah. annual salary, you know, would be somewhere between eighty and ninety thousand, and then to divide it back to work out what the hour is. Hourly. Eighty or ninety thousand staff in a restaurant? Gosh. Well, you'd be in a if you're writing the wine list, you'd be in a management. You'd be in a fairly senior. You'd be buying the wine, and you'd be in a management role. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what they're being paid. So then you reverse and engineer it that way. And because effectively you're saving that business owner, um, the, you're saving the business owner a wage. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That, okay. That's a good point because I, yeah, I'm historically underpaid. 
<laughs> and that sounds like me whinging, but every time I've spoken to people about what I've been paid, they just stare at me dumbfounded because nobody wants to pay me a reasonable sum, Campbell. People aren't even buying my bloody books, giving them all their bloody... Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's, let's segue into my ad about the books and then um, move on to the question or topic for today. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. Yes, great. Well, this week's question is about the perceived shortage of champagne, but not only that, in the fact that the... Perceived shortage of champagne. Man, I've been listening to this podcast called Luke's Talk Wine, and there's this one guy on there who tells us about how bad the vintages of champagne have been and how there's so little champagne coming to Australia. And you're saying that they're wrong. And it's what only I... a perceived shortage of champagne. No, it's out there. It's happening and it's real. And oh, it's a real shortage of champagne. Today's topic is more so about now is the time to buy champagne. So if you rush out and buy, if you're thinking about celebrating Christmas and you're um, wanting some champagne over the summer, now is the time to have it. Because I can tell you, Australia, uh, Sydney's already in the grips of racing season. Melbourne's about to, if they're not already, um, certainly ramp up into the midst of racing season and cup season. And so what happens is all of the champagnes, have <laughs> they are all here. And what happens yeah. is now they're at, at a reasonable price. And then what happens is the, the big retailers, the big retailing barns, the big places that think they're cheapest in town come about the 8th, 9th, 10th of November, their prices go up in the extreme, about 30 to 40%. And people start buying champagnes for Christmas and, you know, all of a sudden you'll see big sales. But what they don't tell you is those big retailers have increased the price so much they can afford to discount 30 40 50% because early in November they actually increase their prices. So now, peoples, now is the time to go out and get your champagne line up. Australia is, in fact, um, a great player in the champagne market. In fact, last year, 10 million, 10 million bottles of champagne made their way to Australian shores, which is pretty massive. Um, Why don't we drink local? Well, you could drink local as well, but the champagne... <laughs> and then people will laugh at you. It's, oh, it's a sparkling wine, you pleb. You, you could drink great uh, sparkling wine from Australia, but the Champenoise are such great marketers. A lot of people will reach for the champagne, which is fine too. Um, but the champagne season is upon us. And if you want great bargains, now's the time to get it. Ten million, As I mentioned, 10 million bottles of champagne came in. There's only 320 million bottles produced. So if you want to buy it, now is... Um, now is time. Yeah, and you said the funny thing there, which was uh, buy it now, but for Christmas, but with the with the knowledge that you're going to drink it all before Christmas, so you better buy twice as much. Oh well, some of us can keep a lid on it, Luke Morris. <laughs> well, I'm not being specific to you, but they, 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 like you just outlined, there's all the silly season stuff happening. That if you want a bottle of champagne with your 
oysters or um, prawns on Christmas Day, you you better have a, a cellar that has a lock on it. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Well, you're very true. I mean, there's plenty of choice. I did the numbers on it earlier in the year. There's about 300 different champagne brands brought into the country, um, which ironically and stylistically, it's just ever increasing. And that has something to do with the burgeoning um, region, what's it called? The actual regional marker has been extended um, in Champagne in recent years. So there is more producers out there. There is more being, there is more production and there is actual more physical producers of Champagne. So, you know, you can choose, um, you can choose local. Absolutely. We make some great sparklings in here. Sparklings are cursed with the same prize in the fact that they will also go up as well. Um, but yeah, think, think about things of like Cremont, Think about things like Blanc de Blanc. You don't always have to buy a non-vintage or a vintage champagne. Uh, and, of course, you can think about Prosecco or French Accorder or Carver. I know you're a great fan of Carver. Mori? What, what do you think of the idea of buying now to – you don't really age champagne, but to give it a, a month or two? Yeah, I don't think there's any problem with that, you know, provided you're – Storing your champagne, you know, between ten and fifteen degrees, provided you keep you it. You don't like keeping it a little bit warm to to accelerate some aging, so you get to like a, in, in two months, you get a twelve month year old wine. No, I do not. Like no? keeping it a little bit warmer. Well, it's um, just, it just softens the acids out and makes it a bit more broader and bigger and meatier on the palate. And if you, you know, if you if you like that, if you like that kind of drink, win win. I don't want to soften the acids out in my champagne at all. I want all the acid there. Um, don't, yeah, but shouldn't you know? I think I think you and I are attracting this from different angles. I I'd, I'd also like a bit of colour in my champagne. You know, a, bit of, a, a splash of some dark fruits and um, maybe uh, fermented with some new oak and out of the brossa and made from Shiraz. We all like different champagnes. <laughs> Uh, yes, we all do, and different different horses for different courses, I guess you might say, Luke Morris. Bar- barbecue champagne is what that is. There's, n- there's nothing wrong with sparkling Shiraz, and there is <laughs> for it, but it's got nothing to do with the conversation. We're having. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for your concern, Luke Morris. Um, uh, we all know sparkling Shiraz is just champagne, but with character. Oh, my God. I can't believe you just said that live on air. But you've heard it here first. I've, I've said it live on stage at gigs in Adelaide and Melbourne. It's fine. People know people pick up what I'm putting down. Oh, yes. Um, yes. So I've completely lost my train of thought, but that's all right. Not you were thinking you, about uh, getting uh, sh- sh- um, champagne and you want it as clean and crisp and by now. Cream. Creamy, crispy, high acid, great as an aperitif, or perfect with some seafood or oysters. Yeah, drink it anyway. Who, who are you your like. favourites? Who are my favourites? Yeah, go on. You know, I, I, I love uh, Le Mandier Bernier, which is a grower champagne. My all-time favourite champagne and one of the estates that I've visited will be Bill Cart Semon. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I love... Vintage Paul Roger, which is the Sir Winston, Winston Churchill. Churchill. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there, there are a couple of really great 
favourites of mine. Um, Champagne Forêt Marie, which are a small grower that used to grow from um, Bollinger that now come into the country. So they're, like you mentioned earlier, they use a little bit of oak uh, and they use a balance of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Um, they're one to look out for as well. They're, they're a really great favourite. But it's just, yeah, wonderful acid retention and really fresh Champagne Forêt Marie, spelt forest-marie, which is really good. Um, do, yeah. do you know it's a dud? Crystal, what a dud of a wine that is. So, so much hope, hype for dud wine. Just the basic Louis Rotor is better than their Cristal. That's you, my opinion. Have you drunk Cristal since we last spoke of it in last week's episode? Nah, nah, it's just, from, just when we were talking about wine. So I was thinking of wines I like, and then I, was just, then I got bored of listening to you rattle off about good wines. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? We should get our boots into is some of the crap ones that people spend all their money on. <laughs> um, I, I, well, don't, I, I don't like Cristal. Do you like Cristal? Well, it's funny you say that. Do you hate it too? Can we be besties about hating Cristal? I have not had. How do I politically put this correctly? A good I, bottle of Cristal. I've not had great experiences with Cristal. Yeah, um, yeah. I have tr- only tried it a couple of times. I can't say I've ever drunk it. I've only ever tried. It's, it. It's, yeah, that's 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 all that Cristal deserves. You, you taste it and you spit it out. You don't want to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I need to uh, spend yep. more time with Crystal before I absolutely blanket bucket it uh, a la yourself there. I don't think they're going to, they're not going to lose any, I was going to say viewers, listeners or <laughs> revenue. Or bagging up. Are you looking for the word consumer? <laughs> Consumers, we're going to lose, no, nobody cares. We're going to be fine. You can, join me on the, on the Crystal. Is, is there champagne you reckon is over, overrated? Uh, oh, there's Everything a lot by of Verve. overrated. Verve Clicquot yeah. is overrated. Well, Verve Clicquot, I guess, is one of the most recognised brands on the planet, but it doesn't make it a good drink. No. Um, but, you know, people recognise it. Um, yeah, but there's, no. There's, it's a nice-looking label. Give it that. The Champenoirs are the best marketeers on planet Earth. I said that at the top of the show. But, um, you know, so, yeah, you just you got to navigate that world safely, and with a smile, follow your producers, know the wines you like, and buy early, ladies and gentlemen. Always buy, you know, mid-October to early November your champagnes and you'll save some money. I'll, I'll throw in my hat in the ring, though, just to, just to balance things out. Uh, Rune up, Blanc de Blanc, get into it. Oh, yeah, good one. There good we go. Hey, another great suggestion would be for us together to travel to Sicily and Sardinia. Um, because that, that would be like a really shit version of the trip. <laughs> uh, it'd be like you going around really excited and me just looking at my phone or something. <laughs> it would be a bit like that, wouldn't it? But what you would be doing is you would be drinking um, bucket loads of Italian islands reds or whites, just like Clint's about to do. Clint writes this week, actually, now listen to question. I'm travelling to Sicily and Sardinia. What the hell do I drink? Um, so Sicily and Sardinia, two fantastic Italian islands. They both experience kind of arid um, Mediterranean-style climate, but they have all high altitudes on both islands. So you get these kind of really crazy 
um, climactical swings. And I thought you were going to say people because there's so uh, little oxygen up there, their brains can't deal with things. <laughs> but Sicily's reputation, and I know, I know your underlying devotion to Italian wines, Luke Morris, so you'll know this. Oh, yeah, I know this. Sicily's reputation was built on the fortified wine Marsala, um, but it's come a long way since then. Um, they have the one and only DOCG of Sicily is the Carsulo di Vittoria, which is a blend, in fact, and it's um it's a blend of Italy's Shiraz, which is Nero de Avila, and the very very kind of fruity Frappato. It's a great kind of blend. So, Clint, you'll be drinking things like Nero. You'll be drinking chillable reds called Frappato. You'll also be drinking the Casula di Vittoria blends. Mainly red is what you drink. Uh, there's a little bit of white, uh, but it's all kind of tabled wine, Vino de Tavola, um, you know, or the, the Taberna whites, effectively. There's a really strong, um, uh, you know, that Mediterranean. So you're looking for textural white wines, you're looking for um, really bold black red wines. Sardinia, Sardinia, what do you know, Luke Morris, about Sardinia's wines? Um, they come in small cans and you can get them <laughs> with olive oil. <laughs> There's some great olive oils coming out of Sardinia. Actually, either of them, uh, either of the islands produce fantastic olive oil. But Sardinia has a wonderful kind of Spanish influence into their wines. The white down there is, um, uh, the French call it Rolle. They make Armagnac out of it, or, or actually more over Cognac. A Vermentino, so the Italians have got Vermentino down there on Sardinia, which again is just that seafood-friendly white. It's a little bit of a neutral, great variety. We do grow it here in Australia. It becomes quite waxy, quite textural here. But, it, but then just more reds, bucket loads of reds. Uh, Cannonau, which is grown on Sardinia. Sardinia um, Cannonau is Grenache, effectively, So, and some wonderful Cannonaus come out of Sardinia. The other one down there is that black, really black grape variety. I always get it confused with Mataro. It's not Mataro, but it's, um, they blend it in Chateauneuf de Pap. Luke Morris helped me out here. It's like charades on radio, but it's not with charades. <laughs> Chardonnay to pop blend is uh, yeah. Grenache, Shiraz, Mervedra, and there's a little bit of Canonian. That's Carignan, that's it. So, Carignano, that's thank you, Luke Morris. I knew you'd be onto that. So, Sardinia produces Carignano, which is Carignan, uh, which, and both Grenache and Carignan have great Spanish variety influence. And, and it was the Phoenicians in the fourth century that took it up to France in the Chardonnay to pop era. But these wines are wonderfully kind of black and blue and, and, and pulpy that come out of the Sardinia. So, Clint, so far, you know, you've got a few, few, few wines to try there. Um, the thing to remember when visiting the islands, everyone makes wine, whether they're actual winemakers or not. Everyone makes it. They all, they all create food-friendly wines. You know, so the olives come from the orchard, the sea, the, the fresh fish comes from the, the sea, and they all make fruit and wine, fruit, fruity wines to go with this sort of stuff. So get tucked into the local regions where you are and get stuck into the booze that they produce. It, it's absolutely scintillating down there. I haven't got that far down, but I've certainly drunk plenty of the wines. Um, everything south of Rome, 
just excites me. But um, look out, look out for Vermentino, look out for Kenanau, look out for Nero to Avila when you're visiting two islands. Um, there'll be plenty of selections. You won't be short of something to drink down there. You'll be visiting, if you're going now, you'll be coming into their winter. So you probably won't have any need for a rosé either. There's a bit of rosato down there as well. Um, but yeah, look out. You'll love it. Absolutely. The wines of Sicily and Sardinia. Yummy. Sounds good. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't. Uh, yep. <laughs> you got nothing? <laughs> I got nothing. No, I've, I've, I've not been there. I don't know the region. I don't know the wines that well. So, um, no, but yeah, that's, 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 that's your field, Campbell. And you can hear your passion. Yes, I do love those wines. We we did, uh, during COVID, actually, we did a whole heap of... You went to um, Sardinia? No, I didn't. But, well, virtually we did. We did a virtual island hop, actually. It was quite fun. We had uh, six or eight people on Zoom, and we did the wines of Sicily and Sardinia. It was awesome, actually. We had three hours with a a, a sommelier, and we just did a deep dive. It was pretty good. We looked at whites and red. But that wasn't you, Clint. You're going there in the real time. Um, and so more power to you. I hope you have a great trip. Sicily and Sardinia will be fun. All, all, all I would expect is that, yeah, you just sort of, you just plunk on in, in a table and, and don't be afraid of the house wine. I, that's what I'd be guessing in that area. Yeah, You'd be it. very, whatever the house wine is, is probably made by the people running the restaurant. You betcha. What about... What's been on your table, tasting table this week, Luke Morris? What have you been drinking? Ah, oh, to be honest with you, mate, um, so the, the, I'm going to Queenstown in under a month for the marathon. Oh, good. And I'm um, off the booze until then. So it's all about uh, training, diet, sleep, and uh, <laughs> and work <laughs> to, okay. to, pay, to pay them bills. But... Um, no, nothing's been um, fun. I did. I did happen across. Okay, here's the thing. So I had to do tasting at work, and I, you know, I I, I spit out anyway, but I definitely spat out. Yeah. At work, um, somebody described Granite Creek as a boomer wine. So we got to taste some granite. We got uh, t- Granite Creek wine, and I said, "Oh, typical boomer wine," and yeah. I was like, "Woof, that's harsh." How would you take that comment, though? Well, no, that, that's well. I mean, Def- baby defining terms. Baby boomers are the generation before our generation, so that we're Generation X. That before that, they're baby boomer. But that's probably an accurate description. Greenwich yeah. Creek are that big, bold. You know, so instead of saying an old man's wine, they're probably more politically correct and inclusive of the whole generation, <laughs> calling it a baby boomer wine. It kind of is. It's that big, bustling, blocky wine that we don't drink anymore. Uh, you know, we, we age them at least, but they're, they're not attracting us anymore. We're, we're looking for something a bit fruitier, a bit different or a bit textural. So baby, reckon? I, I reckon, yeah, yeah. like... How much, how much Granite Creek, well, I know you drink a lot of Windaree, but how much Granite Creek or Windaree gets drunk in your circles? Present company excluded, because I know you've got to sell all the stuff, but. Oh, in, in my circles, mate, I don't, I don't have too many 
just a circle of people who drink wine. But mm. um, uh, no, see, my point was that boomers, boomers tend to like obvious wines. Yeah. That, uh, well, in, in in my world, have a big discount and look impressive, and even though Granite Creek is a is a big body, it also has an ability to age. It's actually a well made wine. It's not just upfront big fruit and then no back palate, but everybody gets excited by how lively it appears. It's actually, you know, it has tannin, it has acid, it has a certain structure to it that will keep it going for another decade plus. It's a, it's a, it's a, they're, they're good, well made wines, but also it's an obvious they, one. They have reputation, they also have a good reputation and they don't. Market themselves in a, as a. I oh, know. I just, I just, I just thought there's plenty of boomer wines around that might be wines that are just not the same quality, but they're 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 marketing themselves on an image more so than the quality of the wine. Whereas I feel Granite Creek has an image, but it's still trying to focus itself on the quality. And yeah. and boomers. And, and if you're referring to Bruma thing, they might be aware of it, but you'd say that anybody should be aware of what Granite Creek is, as opposed to I don't know. I'm trying to I don't, I'm trying to think of an example that people would know know of. Let's Molly call Duca. Molly Duca. Oh gosh, there's there's a throwback. I haven't heard that yeah. whining for a while. That's another Boomer wine, you know. Yeah, and see, that's more of a wine that's marketed on an image, I think, more than the quality. Black pepper E and E. Oh, I don't know E and E. Yeah, I think they're quality first than the image. You reckon? You don't think that's good wine? Oh, it wasn't its day. I don't think it is anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. K Brothers, Block Six. K, K Brothers. Well, that has a brand that has, you know, that 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 has certain integrity. That's not as obvious as something like Granite Creek or Molly Duca. Oh, okay. Hmm. I thought. I see. I, well, I separate Granite Creek quite a bit because I don't think you see it around as much. I don't think it says it's, it hasn't, you know, pulled its pants down for want of a better descriptor. <laughs> No, it has not. Molly Duca would put its brand, well, it, back in when I last remember it, would have put its label on it. I think that sold a few sh cartons. It didn't really, didn't really care. No, that's fair enough. No, what are you drinking? Uh, I've been drinking a bit. I've been on the Grenache train, as you know. Um, but, you know, over the weekend, I had a wine that just floored me. It's a wine I'd had before and I uh, revisited. Um, and it was a wine called, Pet the, the variety is a, is a Petit Arvin. Petit Arvin. Petit Arvin. So uh, Petit is in small and then Arvin, which is a um, A I R V I N. 
basically just Italian it just means a, a white. It's grown, It's actually a native of Switzerland, would you believe it? But they grow it in the Val d'Aosta in the north of Italy, like basically the Alps. It's a white variety. But, you know, coming from Switzerland, anyway, it, it's this kind of textural white wine. I've had it before. Where do, where, is it is it locally grown? Did you get it from? No, no, it was an Italian wine. This particular Grosjean was the producer. It was Italian wine. It just had, it was all this characterful. It had this excellent structure and full-bodied. And I actually, I actually wrote a tasting note on, on the, my Instagram, actually, at Vinified underscore wine services. But it was just, it just floored me. I'd had the wine before. I thought, oh, yeah, no worries. I'll have a glass of this. Uh, you know, we we're just having some a very simple pasta with lemon and olive oil, and but hey, this would be like lovely, you know, like a bit of bit of pecorino on the top would be awesome. And it, it just it floored me. Not often do I have a wine of late where it just floored me. I, I guess I had no expectations because I've had the wine before. It's a light bodied wine, right? So, and it is just had all this everything going for it, Luke Morris. It had everything from beeswax to texture to white florals to citrus peel to just a, a really, really attractive line of pink. Where, grapefruit. where were you having this? Just at home. Just at home. Yeah. Just, just a sample you had cracked it. But it just it had this saline finish. It was just you know it was like a salted a, a honey that had a salt bush in it. Like it was just oh my salt god, salt bush. Salt bush, yeah. You know, like they feed the lamb on. Um, oh gosh. Anyway, so it just got me all emotional and just got me thinking about wines that floored me. And, and <laughs> I've, had, I've had a few wines that have floored me in the, in the past, but I don't know if I'd had one this year, but this one did anyway. So Grosjean Petit Arvent, you know, about probably about 35 bucks retail, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was... Can you buy it through Vinified? The quality... You know what? Send me a message if you want some. There is some in the country. I don't have it up on our site or anything like that. Uh, but uh, if you want, uh, if the listeners want to get involved, just DM me on the Instagram at vinified underscore wine underscore services and we can get you a few bottles. It was just surprising, you know, like um, when you don't have any expectations of something and it just blows you out of the park. I just love that. And like I said, I was just having a very simple pasta dish my wife and I, the kid, we fed the kids. It was just a very quick pass, a little bit of lemon, a little bit of pecorino, a little bit of olive oil. Boom, boom, boom. Wooshka. Petty this, this, this sounds like something you would have wanted to vote in the Hottest 100, which I've just remembered that we've sort of – the problem with our Hottest 100, I've realised, Campbell, is that like 20 episodes works out to be like – what's that, four months? Yep. Four months of promoting something is too long. We should have just gone bang and and done it like within the month. So next year we'll know. We'll have a clearer next, vision. Next year we'll know. So this so this so sorry for everyone who like was really shieldsy and the like who were really cool on um, jumping onto it quickly. Uh, and and now it just feels like it feels like we've forgotten about it. I still know it's there. <laughs> um, what are we coming up to? The 15th episode of this series? So yeah. Like, we got another month until we... No, I think we should put a pin in it and maybe just... I'll, I'll start sorting out the details for it. 
like this week or something. Yeah, do it. Let's do it. Okay. I'm happy with that. You happy with that? Yeah, I feel like it would be good to uh, yeah uh, uh, tie up those strings and not m- wait, make those people who have voted wait longer to find out what's happened. Great. Well, stay tuned for more on the Hottest 100. And if you do want to get involved or you want to participate in uh, Luke's Talk Wine, you can get in touch with us at via uh, the old interweb and email us at lukestalkwine at gmail.com or via the socials at Luke's Talk Wine on the gram. He's been Luke Mike. I've been Luke Campbell. We are Luke's Talk Wine. And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Bye, Tony. Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings, Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au